From the movie house to your widescreen at home, Radio 111's Going to the Cinema and the streaming services on Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. So grab your popcorn and beverage of choice and step into our screening room for our weekly forum on film. Now, here's Brian. Why it's Oscar time. And honestly, this is another one of those years where we have a variety of different films being nominated and yet another year where another variety of snubs being ignored. It's always the same story every year in which we have a lot of victories, but definitely a lot of losses here. So this is not going to be super big and extensive of an episode. We are going to be looking at the five main categories along with the best animated feature category because I have a I have sort of an investment in animation right now because of the way that animation is being treated. So I don't want to start with that right away, but I do want to say that that's why we're going to go to that category and maybe glance over at the other categories. But so far, everything, everywhere, all at once is the leading film with 11 nominations. A24 has the most nominations for a studio. And then All Quiet on the Western Front and the Banshees of Inisherin are they shared nine nominations each. So they're tied. So there's that. And so the film that I definitely would love to see get win Best Picture is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think if I had to choose a film, that would be it. I'm going to do a if I pick the winners towards closer towards Oscar. So it's one of those things where I'm going to say that right now I just want to discuss the winners and the snubs and the controversies because right now there is a lot of them. So the Best Picture nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. I'll say this, in terms of snubs from this particular category, I definitely think something like Glass Onion should have been nominated. I think Glass Onion was such a great film, and it's one of those films where I think if you watch it twice, it's so engaging and that it's so, like it holds up. It really holds up, especially the mystery. And the performances really like give you a lot more because you see the character's logic and you really get to see these characters just like how they maneuver and all that. So I definitely think that's a case of like, a film that should be nominated but didn't get nominated because maybe the Academy was like, you know, that mystery was pretty cool in the first the first time around, but maybe I don't need to see it again. I always think that mystery films tend to do really well in the second viewing because you see how the inner workings of it and so it makes you appreciate the first time a lot more. But that's just my opinion as to what I think a good mystery is. Usually good mysteries hold up on second viewings. In fact, they actually get better with second viewings as opposed to first viewings or ones that just honestly are so contrived that the first viewing is the only way to watch it. And then they just don't really hold up like most Law and Order episodes. And I say that in a way that's very loving about that show. 
Other snubs, in my opinion, are RRR. That movie definitely should have been nominated, but the reason why it wasn't nominated for any categories because India didn't submit it. There's this rule that if you have to, a country has to submit a film to the Academy Awards to get it nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, and that's one of those things where you just have to sort of accept the game at what it is, and I wish that India had submitted it, but they didn't. Oh well. And All Quiet at the Western Front would probably win Best Foreign Film. And I actually like that film. I really do think it's a great film. But it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, RRR and Argentina 1985 probably would have been my better picks. Not gonna lie. But that's just me. And the thing about it is that this is another year where, like, movies around, like, black people are definitely being ignored. Like, for example, like, The Woman King, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Till. Those are wonderful movies that didn't get nominated for Best Picture. So those are other snubs. And especially Black Panther, Wakanda Forever was snubbed throughout the entire Academy. And I preferred that movie over Avatar The Way of Water. I understand that Avatar Way of Water has its fans and that y'all have your respect for its art form. And I really do respect it, too. But I think Black Panther Wakanda Forever just spoke to me more. And, like, if you want to see a movie about indigenous folks, you know, unpacking their trauma or, like, a story in which, like, a group of, like, uh, oppressed, uh, like, oppressed folks deal with oppression or talk about colonization then why don't you just watch something like black panther wakanda forever that features real like real indigenous folks instead of these hyper like hyper let's say hyper science fiction hypothetical like alien creatures these blue creatures and i was telling somebody how like it's funny that like a lot of folks need blue aliens in order to feel bad about colonization or like the effects of it it's interesting and you know before you say don't bring politics into the academy awards that's foolish you know that the academy awards is political and it's going to get more political as we go down this list it's always been like that and if you don't think it's always been like that or you feel like other critics tell you it's not like that they are lying to you they're gaslighting you and i'll say this i think that if anything i don't like to predict who's going to win best picture but there's a good chance that i think banshees and everything everywhere all at once tar the fablemans are the more than likely choices or even all quiet on the western front those are the likely choices to win best picture i do think that it's a case of it's anybody's year i don't think there's a quote-unquote clear winner usually there is a clear winner sometimes like some years you can kind of tell who's gonna win like in 2016 like i kind of figured moonlight was gonna win but la la land was the other favorite so it was a case of like i had a clear idea who's gonna win green book was the clear winner of 2018 which you know in hindsight probably should have never been the clear winner but that's just me and i also think that last year like the last two years have made it a little bit difficult to predict the winner but coda definitely was the film that you know was a surprise but then as you went on i think as we get closer to the actual awards we'll get a clear idea who the winner is it's the film that has the best narrative so when you go and watch the news and press coverage of it i'm not going to do that type of coverage because i got other stuff to review but i'll i'll notice and you'll notice that the film that quote unquote has the best oscar narrative is probably going to win 
you know, Coda was the the little Apple TV movie about deaf and hard of hearing folks. It tackles all these important issues and its win would sort of be a victory for the deaf community. So that was a really good narrative for the Oscars. And I'm saying that that's great in general. Like that is not only a great narrative for the Oscars, but it's a great thing just in general, just to have that type of representation win and have that big of a platform. So that's why I think sometimes in some cases the best narrative can sometimes have good uh, uh, let's say real life effects and something like green book where which is like oh we're gonna have a it's it's racial difficulties and racial differences are at a high time uh, uh, all time level right and now like we can watch a movie like green book and reconcile and heal and then you watch it now and it's like no it's not a healing experience in fact it's like in my opinion it's like what like i'm gonna say this like i think it's like a basic understanding of how racial healing looks like but it's not it's very much like driving miss daisy where people think that oh well that's how we can reconcile race in america and it's like no like not at all like that's not how it works it involves actual work but that's just me and so like i'm saying again like they like to do these narratives and sometimes they choose the narrative that honestly nobody was really saying or nobody's really that interested in except that it's a good oscar narrative right and you know i think that it's it it tells you a lot that films like black panther wakanda forever till and the woman king don't get nominated because those were really challenging films about race and also about what it means to be black in America or just, you know, black in general. So I I can't speak much more on that because I'm not black myself, but I will say that it's really a shame that those films didn't get recognized properly. It really is a shame, but we'll get more into the politics of all that a little bit later. In terms of best director, again, it's a this is a category that has historically excluded women for the most part we've had only very only three women winning we've only had three women win chloe zhao jane campion catherine bigelow who first won the oscar and honestly this is a case of like again women being excluded for doing great work gina prince bython would she did Woman King, and I think the Woman King should have been nominated for Best Picture. Should have been nominated for Best Director too. And it's and I look at this list, and it's like you know these directors did great jobs, but I think that Gina Prince really stepped up her game and really gave an inventive, beautiful looking movie. And I look at the list, and it's like yeah, these directors did too, but they weren't any better than she was like i definitely think the daniels are the best directors of the year with everything everywhere all at once again i think every every single nomination that film has should win quite frankly i think it should just win all 11 but that's just me but it's not going to because you'll see and in terms of todd fields and tar like he's a good director martin mcdowell is good for banshees of inisherin and you know the triangle of sadness director ruben oslin and steven spielberg they're all good but i again it's one of those things where like i've noticed over the years steven spielberg gets nominated sort of sort of like an obligation and i love the fablemans but 
in my opinion, The Woman King was better directed. But, you know, it's blasphemous to even tell people that a woman can be, like, a better director than Steven Spielberg. Because Gina Prince Blythewood, she has done a lot of great films like Love and Basketball. I love Steven Spielberg. I think he's one of the greatest directors of all time. And I think that there's a good chance he's going to win the category. But I think the Daniels were good were much better and I think that in some cases the woman king could have fit in here so I often think that as many nominations for best picture there should be as many nominations for best director because there's so many directors out there that get excluded and yet because there's five there's always a temptation to just nominate like the five films that could potentially win I don't know it's always like interesting because Triangle of Sadness what makes Ruben Oslin's like directing any better than let's say heck I'm I'm gonna say it like the director from Top Gun Maverick or heck even like you know I would even say Sarah Pauly for Woman Talking so like what makes them what makes that director better than those two same with like elvis with Baz Luhrmann, you know like what why can't these people get nominated and i'm not just saying that like women should just be nominated because they're women that's not what i'm saying I've, I've been accused of saying that which is ridiculous because i actually always make sure to name really qualified amazing women directors and they always ignore it every year like i noticed like greta gorig where was her nomination for little women back in the day where were these nominations and so again it's a case of another year where a bunch of women directed great films and they just didn't get nominated but I do like the directors in here. It's just that, again, it's this is a discussion about snubs and what's there. And I think the Daniels are great directors. And I think that if they win, it will be like two Asian men winning the award. And that's great. And also just the fact that they directed this like low budget movie that was like so inventive and so experimental and that it really stuck to landing i've seen experimental films that quite frankly they come out and it's like you know they're just experimental for the sake of being experimental but in this case they did an amazing job best actor austin butler for elvis colin farrell for the banshees of inisherent brendan fraser for the whale um paul miscal for after sun bill nye for living you know living was actually a good movie i saw it i'm probably not going to review it properly but i actually thought it was a fun movie or at least like it's it's a heartwarming movie go see it you know it's actually pretty sweet um i would say that this is a case of hmm I would personally say there's no big snubs here. I actually do con- agree with the cons- with this list. This is a case where like the best actor list. I always say that it's interesting that usually the best actor list is always on point because for some reason they always get it right with this list. It's like the one <laughs> category where they they have to have all men. They always get it right, and that always says something. They not always the right winners, but I always say that for the most part, for the most part, they tend to get. This is a li- this is a year where they got it down right. There are other years, not always, because of course, like you know the the politics of all. But in this case, I definitely agree with some of the winners, with some of the nominees here. They're all winners. <laughs> I guess you won't, I almost felt like saying they're all winners because they're all great. Um, I think this is a case of like Colin Farrell versus Brendan Fraser. 
and it's up to you to decide which one you have a preference for. There's I personally love the whale and the banshees of Inisharian. i do think the whale is one of those films where i've told people i don't really buy into the idea that it had to be a fat suit i think that the fat suit looks really embarrassing in the film it's like okay this film looks real good it's actually a great film and when brendan fraser gives that wonderful like speech about wanting to do one thing right in his life it's like it, it gets to you because it feels real and it honestly feels like Brendan Fraser putting his heart and soul into it. So I would definitely say that he might be my favorite to win. If it wasn't also for Paul Mescal for After Sun, he's so good in that movie too that I kind of want it to be like a three-way tie between Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser, and Paul Mescal. But I, I love all three of these, but I think for me, I would go for Brendan Fraser for me personally, but I'm, I better not do my other episode before now, but I think this is a case of Colin Farrell versus Brendan Fraser. Paul Mescal might be someone who might slip in. I don't know if y'all ever noticed, so like in the past, like you have two very universally accepted great performances and then one great performance that maybe isn't as recognized coming in through the cracks because maybe it got more wins by default like maybe the vote gets split you split the vote between brendan fraser and colin farrow and paul mescal might come through that's how i see it or heck even austin butler it just depends on who the favorite is so keep an eye out on the narrative there's a good chance that brendan fraser might win this for one narrative there's a good chance that colin farrell's pay your dues i do think that if brendan fraser wins it might i'm going to say this in a way that's very cautious i think people might get the mistake that that sort of alleviates hollywood of the problems that brendan fraser had with them like, the fact is that it, it creates this idea that, like, oh, if they give him the Oscar, then Brendan Fraser is going to be healed. And that all those problems and all those issues that Hollywood threw at his career are gone. It's sort of like the forgiveness tour. And I'm not... I think there should be real accountability in Hollywood for what happened to Brendan Fraser. Um, I also think that, you know, fat phobia plays into it, too, because a, a lot of people loved the whale. But then, like, I went to a movie theater where people were, like, laughing at the movie. And it's like, OK, well, like you maybe the film's failing. But why is it that I watched a movie about a, a fat man like suffering and people are laughing at the film if it was a thin person laughing and by the way fat is an actual descriptor it's not an insult and i'm a person of size too as they would call it i'm a fat person too so you know what i'm it's a great it's a it's a practical label and before anyone tries to say anything brendan fraser gained weight and so a lot of people made a lot of terrible comments about it, fat phobic comments. They made a lot of terrible, like Hollywood honestly just, they just ignored him when he gained his weight until he made this movie. And now he's going through a comeback era and Hollywood sort of planted it up as like, oh, he definitely needs to be returned. And it's like, Brendan Fraser didn't do anything wrong. Brendan Fraser genuinely was hurt during Hollywood because all of you expected Brendan Fraser to be this heartthrob and he's proven he can act. He's always proven that. Like you go back and watch Gods and Monsters and he's proven it 
time and time again. And it's one of those things where, like, I don't want this narrative to be, like, the whole Brendan Fraser made a comeback and he proved his critics. I don't want that to be the narrative. It should be Brendan Fraser gave a great performance and deserved the Oscar because he gave a great performance. And that's what I think it should be. But rather than the whole, like, Hollywood is asking forgiveness narrative. Hollywood should be asking Brendan Fraser for forgiveness. I'll leave it at that. Because they did him really dirty. And they really should consider the fact that he is being elevated by his fans and by the people who really want to see him succeed. I want to see him succeed. The critics and the fans are giving him what he deserves. And so I think it's a shame that Hollywood has is waiting for him to get nominated before they can be like, well, let's not, let's rehire him for stuff. He should have always been rehired. And he was really good on Doom Patrol, by the way. Go watch that. <laughs> I know that it sounds really serious, but I know Oscars are meant to be fun, but it's a case of like, I do get frustrated that like the Oscars also are trying to come across like they didn't. The Academy, the members of the Academy, as if they didn't contribute to it in some form. It's systemic. It's a systemic problem in Hollywood. It's systemic, the systemic abuse that Hollywood stars suffer, and a lot of us enable it, and especially I've seen people in, in Hollywood enable it to the point, it's horrible, I've seen some stuff. But I was gonna say, I wanna go over to Best Actress, where again, it's another case of, like, this is gonna be tough. So, Danielle Deadweiler, Viola Davis, Letitia Wright, all three women, were snubbed for this award. All three women gave great enough performances to get nominated over Anna de Armas for Blonde and definitely over Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. Michelle Williams definitely should have tried to get the Best Supporting Actress nomination because that's where she genuinely fits. That's a film where her character gives a supporting performance more so than a, a lead performance. She is not the lead of that movie. And even though I think it's a great performance, don't rag on it. I'm just saying that I think in this case it should have been supporting. And Anna de Armas starred in this movie named Blonde. And I've seen so many people try really hard to tell me, oh my God, Brian, like, how can you not like it? I said, Blonde, first of all, is the type of movie that wants to make you believe it's smarter than it really is. Blonde, in my opinion, is just, you know, hackneyed, not very well made. And people say to me, oh, but it recreates stuff really well. You know what? You're right. It does do a good job of recreating old movies well. But you know what? Instead, why don't I just go watch those old movies instead? Why don't I just go watch those Marilyn Monroe movies like Some Like It Hot and like The Seven Year Itch and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes? Why don't I watch those and then read an actual biography instead of Joyce Carol Oates' idea of who Marilyn Monroe was? Why don't I do that? I liked that book when I first read it, but over the years I've kind of soured a bit on it because I realized Joyce Carol Oates is not the best author sometimes to discuss this type of subject. She indulges too much on violence against women in a way that's not thoughtful. It's very much like, you know, women get abused. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Women do get abused on a regular basis in Hollywood. What else do you have to say about it? Joyce Carol Oates and then the director of Blonde is in my opinion has some weird idea of how women should be represented in films Andrew Dominic he is odd and Anna de Armas does do a good job as Marilyn she should have done a actual different kind of 
biopic like i would love to have had i don't know somebody who the Marilyn monroe estate can approve if there is an estate of course you know i think there is but i can't really say because <laughs> that's complicated because she, she it's complicated she didn't have children and all that so the Marilyn monroe estate is always going to be like a very mm, corporate thing so maybe even not that so okay to say it this way and armis does give a good performance but again it's a case of like is it better than these three women that i've mentioned definitely not definitely not so i want to look at like the nominees so Kate blanchett for tar um andrea riseborough for two leslie we'll get to her we'll get to her and michelle yo for everything everywhere all at once and then michelle williams for the fablemans again michelle yo should definitely win this category she probably will but there's a good chance Kate blanchett might win instead which will cause a lot of controversy if she does i i i can see it now i can see the the discussions because michelle yo definitely has worked hard for this and so it will just again prove hollywood's biases towards certain actors or certain kinds of actors so i want to say this and it, it looks really bad from a certain level that andrea riceboro was nominated for to leslie to leslie is a good film i have seen this performance it is a great performance through and through but it, again here's why it looks kind of bad one the film could not get a distribution when it was when it aired when it aired over at south by southwest it couldn't find a distribution and when it did find it momentum pictures could not afford to release the film in theaters in fact the film has had a very difficult life getting to the academy it did not receive big enough screenings for the golden globes or the critics choice awards or any like body of awards body other than the oscars to give it like a, a consideration it has had a very difficult year it's been very hard to get this film on anyone's radar it's been very little seen it barely made digital right now it wasn't on digital for such a long time that i had to like basically bootleg it because i had heard great things about it coming from south by southwest i saw a bootleg of it so, uh, you can I'm not going to tell you how I got it but I saw a bootleg of it and I thought it was a good movie and she gave a great performance and I thought it's a shame that she won't get recognized but you know sometimes we get little gems and it happens and so I was kind of under the idea that Viola Davis and Danielle Deadweiler who I do think Danielle Deadweiler should have been one of the top two actresses to get nominated in this category top three along with Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh and and then Andrea Riseborough could have been in this category take out Anna de Armas and you would have had Danielle De Deadweiler in there and then take out Michelle Williams and you would have Viola Davis in there Viola Davis has won Oscars before so I'm not going to harp too much on that one but she should have been nominated for the Woman King Danielle Deadweiler plays Emmett Till's mother in Till and she gives one of the most profound performances of the year and it's a real shame that she did not get nominated for best actress it's a real darn shame and I assume the Academy Awards did not want to watch a movie about a woman going through the trauma of losing her son to racialized violence and yes if I don't talk about race then what wh wh then why am I not talking why would I even talk about Till if I'm not going to mention race before any one of you try to be clever and say that I shouldn't bring it up 
because I've had too many people tell me that I bring it up too often. You know what? I don't want to hear it. So the thing about it is that the thing is that Daniela Deadweiler gave such a great performance that it's a shame she didn't get nominated. And it looks bad. My mother always tells me to not do things that look bad even if they are good because she always says that e- because intention versus impact Andrea Riseborough's nomination for to Leslie is genuinely going to be um, talked over at uh, the Academy Awards meaning there is going to be the Academy is going to have a meeting about Andrea Riseborough's um, campaign so the way it looks right now from a social level and from the way it is is that certain actors uh let's just say certain kinds of actors were pushing really hard for andrea riceboro and let's just say that it looks really bad when those actors pushed her really hard and so the thing about it is that there are certain rules about how you can do world of word of mouth sort of campaigning it just looks really bad with andrea riceboro's friends out of nowhere after the golden globes started posting how often they liked her performance in that film it looks really bad especially considering that two actresses of color were being nominated over and over again for other categories and other awards it looks bad I'm not saying that Andrea Riseborough is any kind of way. She's not a bad person. I just think that it looks really bad from that level that to look to have these two actresses of color be succeeding and getting nominated and even winning some awards, right? Only for Andrea Riseborough to come in last minute with the considering that all her friends who are mostly all majority white nominate uh, posting mostly about her and posting very similar language it seems like the language that they use in their tweets and on facebook and other media social media websites are all the same tweet slightly edited every time it's a calculated publicity move and it looks really bad it almost creates this like it creates a i'm gonna say a comfortable layer of conspiracy it makes it where people who want to have conspiracy theories about hollywood can go ahead and have plenty of room to play with because they did this to themselves andrea riseborough's nomination is should be deserved but it looks really bad when her film was not seen by the general public when the film itself barely got a digital release very not too long ago and that the campaign started really late and somehow was much more successful than the studio backed campaign of danielle deadweiler and viola davis and letitia wright and i'm not saying letitia wright necessarily could have gotten nominated but it looks bad that these three actresses you know, particularly Viola Davis and Daniel Delweiler had all these studio backing and had real great performances that were recognized throughout the year, only to get nominated, only to be snubbed by Andrea Weisborough's seemingly, and I'm saying seemingly out of nowhere, 
grassroots effort where all her friends and i wouldn't even say grassroots because all her friends are gen are hollywood movie uh, stars they are all a bunch of people who are famous in hollywood who have who are a-listers b-listers but no c-listers of course but like a-listers for the most part these are all actors who can genuinely have a lot of influence and so andrea riseborough played her friend's card down so yeah i am surprised i am not surprised that this is the, how it's happened it's happened like this several times in the past but it looks especially bad right now because the t these three actresses who were getting recognized somehow didn't you know why michelle williams why anna de armis but Andrea Riseborough's, uh, as of this moment, is going to get investigated for this, for this moment. And I will review to Leslie, so we'll, I'll give an update on it, but it looks bad. And I think it might be even more bad if she wins. If she wins the Oscar over Michelle Yeoh Cape Blanchett, there's going to be a lot of anger in the general audience about that. And there's going to be a lot of discussion, and I think in some way it might be a scandal that might hurt the Academy Awards a lot. And it is. They're, they're hurting the ratings. If she wins, they're going to be really drowning in bad ratings. I'll tell you that. So I want to go to the last three categories. Best Supporting Actor. Um, The only one I would say is... a. Uh, like a snub would be Paul Dano for the for the Fablements. I loved him in that movie. Like I thought he was great. He, for, I always joke that he made he made Steven Spielberg's dad really appealing to the general audience because he's so good in the role. I've actually had people tell me that like he deserved better as a character. And like looking back at him, I'm like maybe. But this is a case of like I. It's very clear, and I'll just name them real quick. Uh, Brandon Gleason for the Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Jod Hirsch for the Fablemans. I actually like Jod Hirsch, even though he had only one scene in this movie. I would switch him out with Paul Daniel, but I'm glad he got some nomination. I'm glad he got some nomination. Sometimes we wish we could have like a best one scene wonder actor, but it is what it is. Uh, Barry Colgan for the Banshees of Inisherin. I liked him in this movie. I really do. And uh, Ki Huang Kwan for everything, everywhere, all at once. Ki, uh, I always forget if I mispronounce his name. I always feel bad. But, like, he is my favorite to pick win, and he's going to win. Otherwise, there's no other nominee. It's a great comeback story, first of all. This young kid who was thrown away from Hollywood because of his race coming back being able to finally get that opportunity in Hollywood that he was not afforded to as a young Asian American child star. I think that it makes a great narrative for the Oscars, but it's also like, it's a great story because he honestly deserves it. He deserves it. So he's going to win for this one. If he doesn't, I'd be very surprised. And then let's go over to best supporting actress, Angela Bassett for black Panther Wakanda forever. Hong Chao for the whale. Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Stephanie Hugh for Everything Everywhere All at Once, playing a double role as Joy Wang and Jobu Tabaki. So this is a case where I don't want to harp too much on who I think should have been put, uh, put in this film. I think that there are some actresses I would put in here, but I'm not entirely... 
unhappy with maybe the this this one right here like best supporting actress maybe carrie condon i would take out i'm glad hung chow got nominated for the whale it's it's historical that um a lot of actresses of color get nominated in best supporting actress roles that's not that is not in my opinion a category that's difficult for actresses of color to get nominated they always get put in there even if they're the leads uh, Q Viola Davis and Fences. She's the lead of that film, but got put in this category. Interesting. But I was going to say that An this is a case where Angela uh, Bassett is probably going to win. There's a good chance he's going to win. If anything, Stephanie Hughes might be the one that takes it from her, but Angela Bassett will win. And that will make her the first woman to get nominated to win an Oscar, an acting Oscar for an MCU movie, and just a comic book movie in general. I'll, I'll leave it at that, and then I'll, I'll give in, I'll give you more info in my when I pick the winners as to my complicated feelings about the best supporting actress category and how difficult it was to even pick a winner for this case. So, I'm gonna go over to best animated film as the final one. Uh, Gilmore Del Toro's Pinocchio, which should have been nominated for Best Picture too, but you know, I always think that they always ignore animated films in the Best Picture category because they put Best Animated Feature, and so they always tend to give these movies that are wonderful masterpieces of cinema, they put them in Best Animated Film as in this ghetto in order to avoid nominating it for Best Picture. It's always a shame. And then Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is a great movie too, one of my favorite films of last year. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, another great film. The Sea Beast and Turning Red. These are all great films. Uh, Wonder and Wild should have probably been a number six, like maybe put that film in there too, but this is my favorite category because they, they got it down. They got it down. They, this is a really good category. Pinocchio definitely is gonna win. If anything, um, if it has any real competition, probably be closer to Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, or Marcel. But Turning Red can come in and be a surprise. But Pinocchio is a sure winner, and they have to give it to that one. Because I feel like in some cases, I they probably want to ignore it for Best Picture. Because apparently Triangle of Sadness is a better film. Definitely not. But Pinocchio will be the sure winner on that one. And I guess if one other snub... I actually really like the Batman, and the score was great, so it's a shame to didn't get nominated on that front. But this is our first part of our Oscar coverage here on Flicks and Picks. It's definitely more of a case of me summarizing the snubs and all that. I will talk more about the Academy Awards with my review of Two Leslie, but I'll review that more or less when we get to the Oscars and see how the Andrea Riseborough controversy went about. But otherwise, there's a lot of great films to catch up on and most of them are on digital and being re-released to theaters so definitely check it out when you get a chance especially movies like everything everywhere all at once but that's just me if you want to catch up on these films so, uh, feel free to let me know what you think about each of these nominees but there's definitely a lot of like change that needs to be done at the academy and definitely a lot of like progress has been made but we'll get into it more on our next part which is if we if i pick the winner which will be next month Stay tuned for that episode.